It's the lowdown on Sports 1440. Chuck Berry. That's taking me back. I wasn't alive when that song came out. By the way, uh, we were talking, mentioning with Tasco in there. There was a, um, I think it was several homes that, that were impacted by a fire. It started in the garage on the weekend. It was on the news. So we're thinking of the folks in that neighborhood and hope you're okay. And that would, you know, the, the idea of your, all your entire property, your belongings, your life basically going up in flames. Doesn't matter how many times I see that. I just think about all the, the, the things. What would, is there anything, now you're in an apartment, but what's the first thing you'd take out? Yeah, this was one of uh, one of our introductory questions on our first episode. Oh, was it? Oh, right. it okay. was, I think I, I have a framed picture of my grandpa, so I think that nice. would be the first thing I would grab. Yeah. yeah, like I said, small apartment, not to not to most of the sentimental stuff I own is back in my parents' house, but uh, that's one I keep pretty close with me, and it's got to be the first thing I'm grabbing in a fire. Yeah, for me, it would be the the photo albums. There's two of them, um, and then a few things that are very personal uh, of mine that I would take that are all in one spot. And, um, that would be it. That would be, I know exactly where I would go. And I, I know that, that the two kids would get out and then look for me. And I know the dog would wait for me. And that's why the dog is beloved. The dog would, I know dogs, they do it all the time. Dogs won't go because <laughs> That's what dogs are. I was going to say, you almost don't want the dog to wait for you, right? Like you just no, want, you the, want the dog to go. Exactly. But you want the dog to get out. Like, worry about me later. No. We got to make sure you're safe. Ziggy would not. She, she, you know, she still isn't sure I know how to go to the bathroom right. without her. There's a lot about that dog that I could yeah. talk about, but I won't. But Unparalleled uh, loyalty. You have to appreciate <sighs> it. I love her so much. Um, I, uh, she's taking, she's got a urinary tract infection right now, which I don't know why I'm talking about this, but uh, you have to hide the pill because she is a little Bagarto about this stuff and um so i i got this new bacon stuff pre-cooked bacon uh and i she'll eat anything of that stuff bacon on a shoe is good and nobody should have told me about pre-cooked bacon because the reason you don't you know usually have um like a, a blt or whatever you like uh sandwich is because the bacon takes so long and then you could burn yourself and you got to put on a lot of clothes because you can get burned very badly because the it spikes up and do you like your bacon crispy or not crispy i just like bacon so i don't really right. i have no quims or qualms about it i if i have to pick i'll take it crispy but if someone's giving me bacon i'm not like i'm just eating it you know what i mean bacon on a shoe i would eat it guaranteed no hesitation yellow tide but woodcroft cost us the cup with his system they couldn't get it done well but again Let's take the play that everybody talks about, the white cloud goal. Nurse follows his guy up to the close to the blue line. It's checked down. Fogel has to cover white cloud. No matter what what system you're playing, and and if you think that you play a different system and it'll work out differently, that's not necessarily so. Because if Nurse doesn't follow the guy out, maybe he does a loop while Woodcroft is trying to get to him. Nurse checks down and it's goal different way. It, the white cloud shot was a brilliant one. It was from too close, and that was because of Fogel. The system should work no matter what better than it did. But every, I just I it I'm it amazes me how quickly people can glom on to one event and blame it for everything. Woodcroft did get outcoached. He did not recognize that Ryan McLeod was doing a better job 
than Bugstad. That's what you want to talk about. A single event occurring in a game can have great importance while still being a single event. And that's what happened. And Nurse made, I think he made worse errors. He turned the wrong way twice coming out of the corner. Coming out of the, twice in the series, he turned the wrong way. Blame that. If you want to hammer him, blame that. But I do, I, Darnell Nurse is a, a very good NHL defenseman. But we, it, I feel like sometimes when I'm talking to texters on the text line, no matter what station I'm working with, it's six degrees of Darnell Nurse. Well, the anthem, anthem went long. Well, that's Darnell Nurse's fault. Everything is Darnell Nurse's fault, and it gets tiresome. Let's appreciate him for what he is and understand that he was playing hellacious minutes. It was easier when Ekholm got here, but Ekholm also made mistakes. Do you remember the first goal in the deciding game? Who threw it out front? It wasn't Nurse, but somehow that never gets mentioned. Never gets mentioned. It's six degrees of Darnell Nurse. I, I'm tired of it. I just think that we can talk about the team and we can talk about what, what the, the um, uh, downfall of the, of the series was without making it so personal that it all comes back to him. It was a check down play. Fogel was the one who didn't check down. And the system is the system is the system. If you're playing a different system, maybe it turns out a different way. You still have to, if you're Fogel, you have to protect against what happened, which was a clear shot from close range. You don't want that danger shot for White Cloud or anybody. It was a hell of a shot. Am I ever happy to hear you back on the radio? It's lonely out there when you don't have uh, your dulcet tone. Dulcet tones describing uh, metrics off of natural statric from Yukon Scott. Well, it took me a while today. I've got, I've, I have my laptop, which honestly I prefer because I have everything that I need here. Uh, but... I'm still, I don't know if you have this problem or not, but I'm still discovering far and away. It's like Grover. Remember near and far with Grover? Okay, frog, near and frog. So my seat was a little far away from where my my computer was in the last segment. And when I was looking at Boquist, it took me a while. Do you have that problem? Uh, No. I mean, I wish I could be a little bit more relatable here with this segment, but no, I don't. Or supportive. It would have been nice. Support would have been great. If you were looking for support, you came to the wrong guy because I was completely out on that one. No, I think, listen, I think you're, maybe you'll get some sympathy from the text line, uh, but on the other side of the glass here, I'm out on this one. Okay. Yeah. All right. That was very kind of you. You're alone. (laughs) It's not just the white cow goal. Well, this must be one of the worst in league in giving up home play shots. Sure. Absolutely, but that's a recognition. If if you if you are if you're playing man to man, then you're playing man to man. If you want to play zone, that's when the orders get into trouble. I think, I think their zone coverage is often not good. So, the the tr- I'll tell you what the trick is. If you want to know the trick, the trick is don't be playing defense all the time. Get the puck out. And I said puck. Get the puck out. Get it out under control with a pass, and then you've got 35 seconds where nothing's going to happen because you've already done it. And the Oilers had a hard time with the fourth line. That was what Bukestad was assigned with, or at least at some of the time. McLeod was the guy to check down to, and they didn't do it. We lost due to the fans' non-support of Darnell Nurse. Well, that's a little closer. Um, You might have to carry the dog out. She might go hide because it's a scary situation. That's very true. That's from Jenna. And that is very true. The dog, um, 
My, I don't think my dog is strange compared to other dogs. But, for instance, my neighbor John, whenever my dog sees John, she barks and barks and barks and she gives him what for. Like, that dog has barked at John for 12 years. But sometimes somebody will come to the door and she'll run away. And it's somebody she doesn't know. So, in a weird way, that's a compliment to John. I don't know that he feels that way. McDavid not stopping on the puck before Eichel empty net goal. Is that the system? That's my point. Is is people are hammering away on the system, the system, the system, the system. If 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 somebody nobody said to me that Darnell Nurse stepping up and expecting somebody to cover, that that wasn't like has anybody said that was a system mistake by Nurse? I've not seen that. LT, you got to air fry your bacon. Fantastic. I have an air fryer. I use my air fryer mostly for wings. Very good. Very, very good for the wings. Air fryer. No burning. Well, this thing, all I do is put it in the microwave for 15 seconds. I got bacon. This is the new thing, man. I'm king of the world. I got bacon in 15 seconds that tastes like bacon. Giddy up. Nurse will have a much better year. He needs to remember it's a D-man, not a forward. Nurse will have a better year because he's going to be on the ice less against elite competition. Go to Puck IQ and look at his numbers over the last few years in terms of percentage of his overall. He was playing mondo minutes against tough competition. And because of that, there's more events that are going to be high risk and high danger, and that's what you remember. So, Tide, you need to, you're saying we need to run Fogel out of town. Just kidding. I'm saying that that mistakes happen, and mistakes happen on the other side too. The key is to not overreact. The key is to not blame one guy all the time. And I'm sorry, but Edmonton fans have a problem with that. It's always one guy, and there's there's blind spots everywhere else. I love Leon. Leon always sends the puck into the middle on a dangerous play, and it can get turned over. He needs to iron that out of his game. As talented as he is, there's work to do. If you're talking about suppressing goals, that's where you start. Everybody, everybody take fewer risks and be like Nick Lidstrom. Lidstrom was was brilliant, but the play was always under control. He made smart passes. That's where it starts. And if I'm going to be critical of Darnell Nurse, that's where I start because he can transport the puck out but those smart passes to more effective offensive options, that's where the good stuff can happen for Darnell Nurse and the Oilers. Playing defense is always risky business. Keeping the puck under control, heading out of danger with McDavid getting the pass tape to tape on the fly is going to create offense. That's why Evan Bouchard is the future for the Edmonton Oilers. Now he needs a strong partner, and he's got one in Matias Ekholm. I think the Holland-Broberg team is in a tough battle against the Manson-Woodcroft-Deharnay team. Remember, as soon as Deharnay was healthy, Woodcroft called him up and never wavered from him. They trust the penalty-killing D-man with a healthy Larson mean streak. Luke and Countdown, I agree with all of that. And then what I wrote on the weekend is, then Broberg becomes a trade piece. And that might be by the deadline. And I, I, like, I always like young players to succeed. And I think Broberg will. But I'm... I'm suspicious that it might not be 
in Edmonton. And remember, Ken Holland did not sign an extension. So by the deadline, his hold on the roster, his impact on the decision-making may be less. There's a possibility the Edmonton Oilers will name or hire somebody in that position, and there's a possibility that name or person may be Jeff Jackson, and he's already here. We don't know these things. We don't know the inner workings of the Edmonton Oilers as of now. And that's okay. We'll find out as time goes on. Skinner needs to focus on puck stopping instead of puck moving. He's no Mike Smith. Well, Skinner had a really good year, but he needs to stop more pucks in the playoffs. And Jack Campbell was playing well, and there was a lot of surprise expressed by many members of the media and fans that Campbell didn't get the start. Games five and six ended the season for the Oilers, and they had some. There was bad luck in the in the two penalties that were called. There was bad execution. There were mistakes made all over the place. That's they they hit their one of those two teams was going to win the Stanley Cup, and the Oilers blinked. Now you can go back and you can blame people. They're bringing back the same club. And they're going to be able to play, I think, a more balanced roster. Certainly on defense, they're going to have two pairings that are strong. And I like the idea of Kulak, Deharnay, or Kulak, Roberg, plenty on the third pair. they got more experience. Jack Campbell has to have a higher impact during the regular season, and he has to be trusted more in the playoffs. Stuart Skinner will be fine. He's a year older. He's got experience. It'll be better for Stuart Skinner. I think the Oilers will win the Stanley Cup. I believe that. And I, I I hope that when they do, everybody's happy and doesn't say, yeah, well, they should have won more than one. My suspicion is we're going to be having that conversation instead of, oh, my God, the Otis won the sixth Stanley Cup in team history. And that's the big deal. That's the hard part. That's the way. Th- they're fighting for a really tough thing. And part of the thing that nobody ever talks about, and it drives me nuts, is that the Edmonton Oilers were gifted Connor McDavid, and then in very short order, they were gifted with the two best expansion teams in NHL history in their division. And one of them cost them on the way to their Stanley last spring. It's in the past. Now we're dealing with the future, and the Edmonton Oilers have a very, very good one. Jason Greger is going to join us next, and we're going to talk about his show coming up. We're going to talk about the first week of Sports 1440 and his experience and we're going to talk about things that may, he may be hearing about the Edmonton Oilers. Uh, does he feel a trade is more likely? A signing? He was talking about a signing last week. Maybe he'll tell us a little more about those things. That's all on the way. The lowdown is driven by Wolf GMC Buick. New name, but same great team. Find them on the corner of 184th Street and Stony Plain Road. WolfGMCBuick.com. This is the lowdown with Low Tide on Sports 1440. It's the lowdown with Low Tide 119 Sports 1440. Joined by Jason Greger. Jason Greger's show, Daily Face-Off, Letters Nation. How many other things do you involve yourself in, Gregor? I mean, it's a lot. That's about it, I think, Al, right? Uh, trying to, just trying to breathe right now with so much <laughs> going on. Uh, kudos to you and Declan. Uh, you know, you guys did a great job in, in week one and obviously starting into to week two, and it's been... Um, it's been a learning curve for sure, expanding different things, but, you know, the reaction in the city and surrounding areas has been fantastic, and uh, which... You know, isn't a surprise. This is a passionate sports market. There's yeah, no question about yeah. it. And you know what? It's a perfect time. There's lots to talk about. One thing I wanted to ask you, and you and I have talked about it off the, off the air, we were gone from June until now September. 
you know, it's like riding a bicycle. You know it, but it takes a little while to get the groove going, right? Like it's just a little bit. Oh, yeah. No, the first few days it was, you know, I needed a life jacket at times. <laughs> uh, well, you throw in, obviously, my show's a little different now because we've added the digital component to right. it with uh, yeah. Orders Nation YouTube, which is really good. But, you know, the cameras were, uh, first few days it was cameras too, uh, us zero. But uh, slowly, we, by the yeah. end of the week, we figured out that there's a setting on it so it wouldn't uh, just shut off manually. So that was nice. Okay. There you go. <laughs> whoever, whoever has figured that out gets yeah. a raise. Yeah. Um, so I want to talk Elks, and you're the guy I want to talk to about it. The, the, you know, a lot of people are saying to me, why the hell wasn't Trey Ford in there earlier? But we don't know about conditioning. We don't know when he was ready. It does look, though, like, like he was the guy all along. Well, it's twofold. It's Trey full Trey Ford, but it's also Jarius Jackson as the OC, right? right. Like, I, yeah. you know, it's a combination of both. Um, it's not surprising, and and I'm never one. I don't like to talk bad about someone after they get fired. I don't really think that's great. But I was very adamant for years. I didn't think McAdoo is a good OC. No. Outside of 2015, explain to me when he's been a good OC, and even in 2015, when. I've had lots of players tell me Mike Riley would, they'd come into the huddle, the play was called, we're not doing that, and they would run a different play. Right. Right, happened all the time. Yeah. So it's not surprising, I guess, they went with Cornelius. He was there last year. He's more of the safe quarterback. Um, you know, I'd be stunned if Trey Ford wasn't in shape when the season started. So I just think it was, you know, people like, people see different things in players at different times. It was easy to make that change when you're 0-9, yeah. right, or 0-8, yeah. I guess, uh, when they finally started Ford. But you know what? I was at that game on on Saturday, sitting outside with with my son and some of his friends, and we were on the the east side of the stadium. And I'll, I'll say, I think there was a distinct um, home field advantage from the sun. That first half, the Stampeder players, mm-hmm. like you're baking, you're sitting in that sun. Yes. It yeah. was hot. Like I couldn't believe how hot it was. And not, I'm not complaining in a bad way. I was just like, yeah. this is like, it was a September day. It felt like we were in the middle of July. It yeah. was unbelievable day for football and and obviously if you look at the labor day week games al honestly don't think you can think of a better outcome for both cities obviously elks fans were annoyed that they blew the lead on monday but guess what stams fans would be equally annoyed they blew the lead on saturday and both home teams win the fans in edmonton i'm gonna make a guess al close to four or five thousand fans were on the field afterwards that's yeah. the most i've ever seen in a game beautiful because that's what happens when people win the kids yeah. are excited yeah. you have a lot of kids i had two kids with me who had never been to a game before mm. and their dads are like they loved it like they they can't wait to go back yeah. now there's a lot of things that go on but getting to run in the field was one of the huge highlights for them right like they're 10 years of age and it's fun it's oh, a fun field to run on you, you see players playing on it yeah and then you it's like any kid who ever gets to skate at rogers place right because yeah. you know it doesn't sometimes there's little tournaments that go on. It doesn't the players don't have to be there. Yeah. But the kid in his eyes is like, Hey, Connor McDavid skates on this site. Leon Drysaddle, Darnell Nurse, whoever your favorite player is, it doesn't matter. And and I think it makes a difference. So because the kids have all they have a little footballs, they're running around, right? They're playing touch and you know, they're on the field and you could see them. They're running, oh, this is 20 yards. Like, how long does it take me to run 20 yards? So it's a good thing. You know, uh, we, we've seen it with the Riverhawks. They let kids come run the bases after the Which games. Is cool. it's, a, it's a very yeah. smart thing to do. It, the game is one thing, and the game's obviously exciting, especially when you win on the last play of the game. But those are the little things that are going to get kids to be bugging mom and dad. Hey, I want to go back. I want to go back. And the parents are like, well, okay, I guess we'll go back. Yeah, because it's, it's not, as a price point, it's not hugely expensive. Uh, is there any... I keep looking, I'm astounded 
that the Elks could beat the Stampeders in the standings. I don't know that it has any value at all, but based on the start of the year and what's gone wrong, like the, the Stamps are 4-9, Elks are 3-10. and 10. Any value there? Well, I think there is because, and it's more so Hamilton's a team you'd have to look at in the crossover, right, mm-hmm. to, to make it matter as far as playoffs go. But, you know, finishing ahead of Calgary, sure, if you're an Edmontonian, uh, you'd much rather finish ahead of Calgary. It doesn't matter what you're doing, right? If you're playing Tiddlywinks, yeah. you'd rather beat them. But <laughs> I, I really think for Edmonton, you start the season 0-9. Right? So now they're 3-2, and two, or sorry, 3-1 and one in, in, uh, in the second half. No. If you can end up being like I said, if they could go six and three, that would have been a monumental improvement. Yes. And so now you go, what is that? Uh, three and two in the in their final five games. It's possible. Sure. Right. They're going to have a, a tougher sched coming up here again, but you know, playoffs they're still mathematically alive, so that's always a good thing. How realistic is it? Because you, you got to beat out Hamilton, so no. you, you know you'd have to win that game head to head for sure. So. I think it's good because you want to build, if you're Chris Jones, you have a young team, how they finish this year should at least give some players experience and a belief that, okay, we can compete when they come to camp next yeah, year. that's fair. Jason Greger, our guest, he'll be on at 2 o'clock today on Jason Greger Show on Sports 1440. Let's talk Oilers. They're going to play, the, the Young Stars play Winnipeg Young Stars on Friday, so we'll get the rookie camp roster, soon the, the main camp roster. Do you see any late additions as possible? Well, none that are, no offense, that, that matter other than those kids that get invited. That's sure. great for them. But, you know, like the order's main camp, Al, I would expect it to be 30 forwards, 18 defense, and like seven goalies. Yeah. And, uh, you know, Fanti, I'm not sure if he's going to be ready for main camp or not. He's banged up. So that's kind of where I see it. And we everybody knows it doesn't take an Einstein to figure out there's not many jobs up for grabs at no. Edmonton. There are a few. Um, obviously, the fourth line center is a big one. Um, salary cap does come into play and you know how Raphael like if Raphael Lavoie plays great in training camp could Derek Ryan go to the minors to start the year like you know that saves a hundred and some thousand dollars which that accrues over the year right, right. so there's there's some options for sure on, on what they're going to do like Raphael Lavoie is the interesting one for me because he needs waivers and most years there's lots of guys who require waivers that don't get claimed but there are certain players Al a, everybody saw, everybody who's an American League scout saw how well Raphael Lavoie played in the final four months of the Scored season. Scored goals like crazy. Yeah, Keith Gretzky said he was their best player. Yeah. And he wasn't, and, and Keith just doesn't heap praise on guys for fun. He was being, hey, he started out coming off the injury, but man, he really turned his game around. Yeah. So, and Lavoie bet on himself, Al. Like, I know for a fact the, the orders had tried be, before he had the deadline to, to accept his qualifying offer, the orders and them, uh, they talk to say, hey, we will offer you more in the minors mm-hmm. to take the, the league minimum. And basically, Lavoie said, no, I'm betting on myself. I'm going to make this team. Yep. And he doesn't feel that they're like, well, they're not going to. If he's clearly better, are you going to send him the minors for $100,000 and risk losing him on waivers? Probably not. So he bets on himself. And even if he doesn't make Edmonton, I think he's thinking that, you know what? If I have a strong enough training camp, there's a team out there, six foot four. 210, 215 pound wingers who can shoot Al. Yeah. I don't care who you are. They, you get a more of a look than if you're five foot six. It's just the truth. So, fourth line center, you know, you mentioned Derek Ryan maybe getting sent out, which is interesting. Uh, do you see that as Lane Peterson's job to lose? No, I think it's Brandon Sutter's job to lose. Okay. I, I So, I watched really closely today. They had to, they kind of split up the, the groups into two, like some young guys and veteran group together. 
And when you look at Brandon Sutter, Al, like if you just close your eyes right now and you don't know the past, and I tell you, okay, so here's a guy who's six foot three, is 53, 52.5% career in the faceoff circle, can score you 10 to 12 goals, can kill penalties, and he's a right shot center, and your top three centers are all left. You're going to be like, okay, oh, and by the way, probably will come in as a league minimum salary. Yeah. Like, I, the only reason I think Brandon Sutter doesn't make this team is if in training camp, because now he's skating out there, he says he feels good, but then you get into a game situation, and does it, is his game foot speed there? It's been two years since he played, you and bet. how's his cardio coming off a of long COVID? I know he's feeling infinitely better than he has, which is fantastic. He's been out on the ice every day. I was watching closely in drills today. He's not lagging in any of the drills they do. Now, right. these aren't practice drills. But, you know, Today was actually unique. They had a... Um, uh, remember Adam Huxley? Yes, I do, as a matter of yeah. fact. <laughs> so Adam Huxley was running for pep. He, he's one of the instructors for his skill. So they had uh, they had an independent, because it can't be ordered, so they had Adam Huxley out there. Um, and it was funny, because I was I was sat by uh, Glenn Galtzen for a bit, chatting with him about, uh, well, a lot about his daughters. Uh, she's 16, and she played at the uh, uh, the World Champions, basically like the Little League World Series in, in for uh, for fast pitch, Al. And, and yep. they made it. And the Canadians made it all the way to the semifinal, one of the best results ever. Yeah. But he was telling me about how Adam Huxley, when he coached him in the ECHL, and the guy had 34 fights. Wow. Like, I remember Adam Shit. Huxley. wasn't a very big dude, no. but and he was a character. But he's out there, and he's kind of joking. Like, I even watched him do the drills, and I said, imagine if they did this when he played 15 years ago. Mm-hmm. And Strutty's talked about it. 20 years ago, rather than him bag skating your number seven defense when he's in shape, imagine if you did puck skills and drills every day in practice, yeah. how much better they'd get. So in those drills today, Sutter looked fine to me. Mm-hmm. Right? Again, it's not the pace of the game and thinking that, but he was always a smart player. So I really think that when I look at everything, I think the fourth-line center job, even though he doesn't have a contract, yeah. I think it's his to lose. Because the P- he could sign a league minimum, and he just replaces Lane Peterson. Sure. It doesn't matter. Yeah, and, and then I think that helps Bakersfield because Lane Peterson could help young wingers like Borgo and mm-hmm. Petrov and those others. Uh, what's your thought on a lot of, a lot of li- contact or, or uh, verbal lately about... Uh, the order systems breaking down. I thought, you said it last week, and, and I've always felt this, games five and six, the second and third periods killed the Oilers. So we can narrow it down. And people are saying, well, it's the defensive system. But it got them to game four, Jason, for and, and crying really, out loud. And, and honestly, I think it was just the second periods. Yes. The third period of game six and, and even game five, they were all over them. Look at the shots. Well, they have 21 shots in the yeah. third period in game six. It was it was really three minutes. It was two minutes well, the, in game five. A, damn it. You're yeah. right. Yeah. And and game six was about a 12-minute period. You're, like, you're up two to one. The next thing you know, you're down four to two, and you're like, what happened? If you actually, you know, Kevin Woodley was the one who talked about this, and I talked to Mike Kelly at SportLogic. The Edmonton owners goaltenders last year had the third highest expected save percentage, meaning they didn't face a lot of quality shots. Right. Right? They Now, Jack Campbell struggled. Yes, he no did. No question about it. I think he'll be better. Edmonton's defensive system overall, I think, is fine. Mm-hmm. It was the decisions be, because a system isn't something that's robotic. The coach can get you can have the greatest system in the world, but guess what? In the game of hockey, we're talking split second, millisecond decisions, right. and sometimes broken play. Well, what happens here? Oh, is this guy trying to feather a backhand sauce through the slot? Trust me, that's in no system. Yeah. And I know people focus on well, Darnell Nurse because they they play man to man and they pressure up at the blue line. Yeah. yeah. Well, in that one play that everybody talks about, if Warren Fogel slides and picks up his That's man... That's my point. Right, and guess what? Those mistakes will happen, yeah. right? It's not pointing out that Fogel doesn't know what he's doing. Sometimes in a split-second decision, you make the wrong read, 
you get exposed. Sure. The first goal in the, I think, the siding game was was Ekholm, brilliant defenseman, sliding the puck out front, bingo, bango, it's in the net. Nurse turned the wrong way twice, Ekholm turns over the puck, it's in the net because of the pass. Those things happen. You have to accept them, and you hope that it doesn't happen again. But the systems, if if Woodcroft doesn't know the system and the players don't know the system, I, I do not believe that. Everybody knows it. It's execution. I think Edmonton's system is actually pretty decent. When you look at it overall, when you look at shot, um, the amount the, they don't give up a ton of shots. No. They gave up too many quality chances, yes. and some of those mistakes weren't based on the system. They were based on decisions made by players at key times, and I think that's going to be the focus of this group to to improve on. It's like Vincent DeHarnay. Vincent DeHarnay in Game One against Vegas, everybody knows he struggled. Yeah, but what's funny is. That's the only thing they focus on. They don't realize in games two, four, five, and six, Vinny DeHarnay was the only player who was in the lineup all five games who was not on the ice for a goal against five on five. Yeah. Did he did he struggle in game one? hundred percent. But to say that he cost him series, it was two two after games four. He wasn't on the ice in game five or six for a goal against five on five. So um, you know what? There's you can't you always have to look at the big picture. And I think for the orders, Al last year, and I said it in October, November, they were Santa Claus. They gifted goals. Yeah. And then they cleaned it up. They did. But then unfortunately, that came back to bite them against Vegas. Because I thought it was more them gifting goals than Vegas really earning goals in those second periods. That's very fair. Now the key to DeHarnay is he's got this wingspan. So even though he's not the fastest guy, it you got to pack a lunch to get by him no matter how fast and you are. And he moves pretty well he, for He a big does. Guy. So, so you know, I'm, I'm spending all year going, well, they got to get all summers, they got to get Roberg in there. But DeHarnay has, there's a reason he's in the lineup and there's a reason he's trusted, fair? Oh, 100%. So when you look at it, that that to me is obviously the the most interesting competition in camp is who's going to be the guy who's number six. Now, maybe they'll dress seven defensemen. They probably will some nights. No. But if they only dress six, is it going to be DeHarnay and Broberg? Now, keep in mind that the order's top five defensemen missed a grand total of two games last year. Crazy. The odds of that happening again are low, just based on Nick injuries here or there. So I think you'll we'll see some games where both of them are in the lineup at times. I wouldn't be surprised at that. But... And I'm not talking when they have seven defense. I'm talking when they have six. Vincent DeHarnay and Broberg are very different styles of players. But here's the advantage. Broberg skating everything. People love him. He's a first-round pick. I get all that. The one thing that DeHarnay has a big advantage is he's, he's physically stronger. Yeah. And that, in the role that they're looking for, that defenseman, it's fine. And the other thing is, Vincent DeHarnay doesn't need to be like Tyson Berry or Evan Bouchard and threading 50-foot passes all no. the time. With this forward group, all you have to do is make 10-foot passes, Al. 15-feet yep. passes. I think he's capable of doing that. I know that's... I, I talked to Vincent at the end of last season, and, and he outlined... He literally had at that time, he outlined exactly what he was working on. He, I have to get back. Better at puck retrievals. Get him off my backhand. That was one thing. The other one was just, you know, making plays with the puck being more comfortable, right? Yeah. Like he, he, you got to the NHL. He knows he can skate in the NHL. He knows he's physical enough for the NHL that, and he'll still work on that. Don't get me wrong, mm -hmm. but he really wanted to focus on more, just being able to make quicker and better decisions and more accurate decisions, more accurate passes with the puck. What I love about his game is, and it's important whether people believe it or not, it is important. He's filthy. And he gets people off their game, yes. and they get mad at him. And he's a nasty piece of business. And they had with Larson, they had that, and they sure had it with Pronger. But DeHarnay is a different dude because he's so big. He gets after people, and they don't like it, and that's a good thing.
And the more games he plays, Al, and it's just the truth that when officials get to know players more, yeah. they're kind of like, oh, yeah, well, he plays hard. You know what? Geez, it might used to look like a real bad cross check. Now it's like, well, that's how Vincent DeHarnay plays. Yeah. right? And and trust me, it happens. It does. Right? It's, it's human nature. Scott Stevens. Yeah, there's tons <laughs> of guys. So I think any team, I don't care who you are, you have to bring a different element to your whole team. You can't have all skill. You can't have all big guys. You can't have all small guys. You need different dynamics, right? And Vincent DeHarnay, like on the back end, Ekholm's strong. Nurse, obviously, is big and physical. Evan Bouchard isn't that physical. Doesn't no, need to be, right? Uh, Kulak, like Kulak can hold his own, funny enough. If you want to get yeah. in a tilt, he can hold his own, right? Cody Cece's not overly physical at all, really. No, he's not. Right? Strong, but he's not overly physical. DeHarnay would be the guy who's kind of the most nasty. And that's fine. So I think that's an element that at certain matchups, Al, yeah. you want, like against a team like Vegas, I think that's something that they need more of. Do you see, like, and I'm just blue skying this, a possibility if the defense breaks out, as we've discussed, that Broberg could be um, packaged at the deadline if the Oilers are looking for something specific? Yeah, that's a really good question. I think in order to move Philip Bro, well, let's, let's see how he plays, or let's mm-hmm. see how much he plays. Right. Right. Number one. Number two is if you're trading Philip Broberg, you've got to get a guy with term. Yeah. Right? And yeah. and somebody who's who's not 33 with term, but probably somebody who's 27 with term. Right. I, that, to me, is what I would be looking at. I'm not, I'm not trading Philip Broberg for a one-year run, right? Because I think the orders are, are a three-year run now, at least. I think Edmonton orders could be a team that for the next three years, minimum, probably longer, yeah. once Drysaddle McDavid resign, you say, okay, these guys are legit. We think they got a really good chance every year. So, you know, sometimes you might go for a pure rental, but you're not giving up Broberg for a pure rental. That's at least true. I wouldn't. Right. Would no, you? That's fair. No, not yeah. at all. I, I just think he's, he, he is another guy who's got wingspan, but he can skate like the wind, and well, he'll learn. He'll figure this out. All he needed was he needs to get stronger. He talked yeah. about it. Like He struggled moving guys off the puck yeah. in battles, and so that's the one thing I know. And the other thing is, and this is the advantage of having you know a, a real big veteran player you know, Ekholm, I've not noticed after practice. And Nurse has done it before, too. But Ekholm um, and Broberg, at these skates, I've noticed afterwards, 10 or 15 minutes, just little things. And a lot of the little things are body positioning. Right. Right. And when you come in here, this is where... And, and literally, they're stopping. And I've seen Ekholm. We're talking about... And the difference in six inches, Al, in the NHL mm, is, is significant. Yeah. Right? And so a lot of it is stick position and body position. A lot of it was coming out of the corners. Because they felt like Broberg was giving up too much on guys and they were beating him coming out of the corner. That's fair. Um, this is a good conversation. What, what I know you've got Brownlee coming up. Is that correct? Yeah, Bronte's on today. Uh, Andy Petrillo will make her uh, Sports 1440 debut. Of course, we're talking uh, lots of soccer with Andy. Uh, she was just at the uh, the World Track and Field Championships. Uh, some historic gold medal wins for Canada. Right? Beautiful. Like, we've never won at the 800-meter men. We've never won in hammer throw. So this is pretty awesome. So we'll talk to Andy about that. Uh, Terry Ryan will uh, join us. He's going to be our Monday, Thursday co-host on the show. Uh, Ryan's rant comes up in the 4 o'clock hour. You don't want to miss that. It's kind of a beauty. And uh, who else we got? Well, Woodley will join us next Monday. Mm -hmm. Um, And that's kind of going to be our Monday lineup a little bit. And I know we obviously we will talk some NFL, Al, because this was... Oh, man. Like it might as I know it's the regular season, but a lot of those games were played at like preseason, 
level of execution. It was some ugly football. And I'm not surprised because if you don't ever play in the preseason, Al, how do you think you get the bugs out? Well, the Giants were just so bad. So bad. I sent out a tweet to Strutty. And just when it was six nothing, and I felt bad when it was like. <laughs> well, what about the Bengals? Oh, they were terrible. Like, yeah. and, and like you just there's a lot. Like Drake London had ne- zero points. Um, T Higgins had zero receptions. Right, Crazy. Goddard zero receptions. Like there's a lot of good players on good offenses that did absolutely nothing. Yeah, it's for fantasy. It was the devil because you had you know probably a did good day going, and then one game sets you back, and you end up oh, losing. Well, there was lots of kind of. Uh, Ugly games uh, yesterday. Now, I will say the Miami Chargers game. Now, that was entertaining. No, it was great. Sorry, game. Connor, but it was entertaining. Well, two is back. No doubt about that. Thanks, Jason. Look forward to the show. Thanks, LT. Talk to you Friday. We will take a break. Lowdown is driven by Wolf GMC Buick, and we're on Sports 1440. It's the Lowdown with Low Tide. Playing good music today. I, you know, you weren't born when any of this stuff was coming out, so good job there, sir. Well, the catalog's a little bit older, so I got to go into the uh, into the old repertoire, like I said. But I think we've had some good tunes. I mean, not too much pushback on it. Uh, everything you seem to enjoy, everything I see you dancing over there. So, well, I I'm love happy Jackson Brown. He's got yeah. a song called "Doctor My Eyes." Now, that song, somebody's baby, that was in Fast Times Ridgemont High, one of my favorite '80s movies of all time. So that's uh, that's the connection to that song for me. So there you go. Uh, we're gonna have to decide. We won't do it this week, but we may have to do Twang Tuesday and borrow from the CFCW Library. So something to look forward to because i love all of it every blasted song over there i grew up with that music you know my dad used to say there's two kinds of music country and western and he like he liked the old like roy acuff and and hank williams senior and the carter family you know he thought johnny cash was kind of you know a little too hip like that's what i grew up in that it was the music that I grew up with. So it's all good for me. I love it. Uh, Low Tide, would you not prefer to play Broberg on the left-hand side and Yvette to play the right, give him a chance to succeed? If you've been considering moving Broberg, it makes sense to maximize his trade value. I, I would not move Broberg, and I would play him on the left side. Here's the problem. You're not moving Nurse, you're not moving Ekholm, and you don't want to move Kulak based on his last two years. So maybe you move a veteran over. And that could happen, too. The Oilers have this problem, and it's not a bad one. They have seven good defensemen. And Gregor said it. You know, we talk about, like, well, it's going to be in a... But injuries occur, and and the Oilers are ideally suited right now. Right now. Not that you want it. Not that you invite it. But if they don't move a muscle on defense, if they don't make a trade, if they don't do anything, they're going to be solid. And... You know, I, I was I was very pleased that Gregor agreed with me on the you know the system is fine. It's the execution of the system, but but I think sometimes in a summer, especially a a, a, a fantastic fan base as other fans are, other fans are the best fans in the world. That you you end up arguing yourself in a circle. So you argue, 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 and you're like, well, we've already argued about that. Let's argue over here. So I think that's what's happened. But Gregor said it last week, and I man, do I agree with him. That whole series comes down to a couple, two second periods, games five and six. And so, if the system worked everywhere else, then we're talking about execution and refereeing and goaltending, as always. Poor goalies. 
Boys, remember when DeHarnay tomahawked Pasternak in the back and the boys almost scored five on four against Boston? Blocked four shots, did that to Pasternak. What a shift, one of my favorite Oilers team in. Well, if you liked Lee Fogelin, if you liked all Bukaboom, all those ruffian-type guys, then you love DeHarnay. I like that he doesn't back down. He made some players so mad on opposition last year. They went after him, and he was like, okay, let's go. There was no sense of, I'm going to hold back. You know, DeHarnay, you, if, you're, if you are going to take on DeHarnay, you better pack a lunch. I love that about him. DeHarnay is an awesome D. He just had an interview on the SICK podcast with Tony Marinero. Definitely worth a listen. I'm sure that's true. He's an interesting guy. Big guys always get noticed. Vinny is easily uh, going to get noticed when he makes a mistake. Deadspin wrote an article about how he was the worst player in the playoffs, which is such a bad take. Your boy, Baron. P.S. Welcome back. Well, thank you for that. Um, I know it's crazy talk, but in game five, the power play let them down. They only scored once on the five-minute power play, Coach Mike. Oh, there's a lot of pressure. I know that sounds ridiculous, but in order to to, to make finesse plays, you've got to be loose. I've never made a finesse play in my life, so I say that with authority. But I felt like they were holding their sticks a little tight. That was That's some pure, pure pressure right there. That's tough. They, they, I think they're, I think they are, they're more, you know that Jimi Hendrix song, Are You Experienced? The Otto's got experience. That, that was, that hurt. That hurt deeply when they lost. And they'll remember that. That will, there'll be a game somewhere along the way in the playoffs next season where they're down by two goals after two periods. And they'll be like, man. And they will remember the sour, sour moment when they lost to Vegas and they'll go to hell with that noise and they'll pick up themselves by their bootstraps as my dad I don't know what that means and they'll go after it and they'll win the game low tide Adam Huxley is my cousin there you go some nice talk by Gregor about Huxley Hey, guys, the CFL, what's going on with the high hits to the head and picking up a player and body slamming them and closed first punch hit to the head? Felt like the league wanted Calgary to win that game except for the uh, P.I. call at the end. That was not P.I. Oh, my God. Like, that was, like, I wouldn't complain about anything after that. But you're right. There was a little bit of um, beyond-the-pale activity, put it that way. Really enjoyed this new uh, venture back in the old days when Low Tide was on TSN. I wasn't on 1040, it was 1260. We do a crossover segment with JMO at the end of his show. Is there a possibility of the same thing with Alan Jason prior to the show? Well, we just did one. And I, but here, here's, here's the, the thing about radio is, um, and I'll say it because, you know, Jason just did what he did. When you, when you come on at two o'clock, as Jason does, you, you, you want everything in your mind to be fresh. So when I interview Jason, if I'm good at my job as an interviewer, I siphon off some of that. Some of the takes that he saw at the game, at the practice today, he used on my show, which I, I'm, I'm genuinely pleased he did. However, that's why he wants you to tune in at 2 o'clock. He goes down to the rink. He sees what's going on. He's talking to people. You get the full blush, the full bore. You get the absolute hose from Gregor at 2 o'clock. And that's what we want every day. So that's why, and it's got to be special, right? When when Jason and I talk, 
especially with Declan in the room. It's always special. Low tide, why on God's earth did Sanderson get eight times eight? And does that mean Bouchard is currently a $10 million defender? He'll be a lot. I don't think you can keep Nurse and Bouchard. We'll see how that rolls. You love Vinny. I love packing lunch references. Works for me from a burglar. 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 Okay, this is me. This is me doing phonics. My Columbia School of Broadcasting training is working well. Working well. well, in that segment, oh, well, you do your best, right? So back to our original conversation at the beginning of the show, which was about Raphael Lavoie. And we heard what Gregor said, and I thought it was very interesting, where it's like if he comes in and plays well, maybe Derek Ryan gets sent down. I had not heard that expressed before, and I think that's interesting because then it's then it's Sutter versus Peterson for the fourth-line center job, and then it might be Lavoie versus Ryan who can get sent down and then called back up as needed because there's going to be injuries, right? But if you're trying to protect your guy from going on waivers, like if we had a radio station waiver wire and we had to put Declan on, but he was so good last week, maybe we slide low tide onto waivers. See if he, you know, got the big salary, doesn't know where any of the other radio stations are. He'd probably drive to the wrong place. Maybe that would happen. It's worth talking about. I'm just saying. It's out there. We might as well acknowledge it. So you're you're now five shows in. How are you enjoying it? You enjoying yourself? You having oh, a good time? Oh, having a blast, having a great time. I'm I'm you know obviously sitting here taking in your presence, learning a lot, and uh, yeah, having a good time. Hopefully, I've done okay. Hopefully, I've uh, made some friends along the way. But well, you, uh, it's been great. Good liar. Now, are you are you um, are you getting enough of your your young sporting MMA? You know. Friday night at the barn, whatever the hell you people do, you young people do. Are you getting enough of that in this show? Oh, I'm getting my fix, absolutely. I mean, I'm not here to step on any toes. It's not you keep the, saying it's that. not the deck down with deck tied. I That's, feel like uh, you're... your name's on the marquee, so you're the one who we're going to be listening to. Did you say knock the deck down with the deck tied? <laughs> that's not what the show's called. That's just facts. Oh my god, that's that's all facts, no printer, and I'm just happy to be here. And uh, no, I appreciate what's going on and. Um, like I said, I, I'm definitely getting my words in. Very happy to, but not stepping on any toes and enjoying it. I'm going to tell people my and I. You can you can uh, don't text me because I won't be reading the text line until tomorrow. But if you have a solution, here's my problem with my printer. I've had the printer for five, five years, and it won't. It printed off last week every day but Friday, and then Friday it screwed up, and I couldn't get it to work again today. So it's telling me it's not. The, the the Wi-Fi isn't hitting it, so I can't send anything to print because it's not hitting the printer. Do I? What do I do? Because if I unplug it, it just prints off all the things again for centering and all that stuff, and it just wastes a lot of my paper, which I don't like because I'm cheap. So what do I do? My first solution would be the uh, the old on and off, the classic unplug it, plug it back in. Sounds like you've already eliminated that, so yes, we'll, we'll move on from that. I would try moving it to a different room, maybe, you know, potentially closer to the router so it gets a better Wi-Fi signal. That could be it. I'm not a tech guy. This is an interesting so, thought. But th- those would be the first two things I would do. And then the third one from that, probably got to bite the bullet, buy a new printer. No. If the first two things don't no. work, just that's, give up. That's money. That's what I would say. If the first two things don't work out, just give up and on to the, on to the next one. There were two medical uh, situations in my house. I had to have a little bit of tooth work done and my dog had a, uh, an infection and my bill was thirty eight dollars, and the dog's was five hundred, and I'm happy with both. Yeah, that's generally how it goes. 
that's generally how it goes. Those vet bills, they're expensive and they add up. But it's well, worth I it. Don't like care. you said, it's my dog. I love it's part her. of the family. You know, you, do, you go to the end of the earth for your pets. I would forego a summer vacation for my dog's L- health. Listen, if that if that dog could work this board, I would not be here right now. You know, and we true. know that, and it's I true. accept it, and uh, we're all okay with it. I'm glad that you feel that way because it's true, and then I don't have to tell you that. Did you try resetting the router Wi-Fi? Well, it works everywhere else. Why would I reset it just for that one thing? Does that make sense to you? No, I get that. I, I it's still an option. It's still an option resetting the uh, resetting the entire Wi-Fi. I'm still a move the uh, move the printer to a. To I'm going to do move the printer. I'm gonna I think do, so. I'm opting for move the printer. I think so. That's uh, that's option two. There's it, someone out there who really knows about this stuff who is screaming into their radio right now because we have no idea what we're talking about. They're well, like, move the, are you yeah. kidding? Move the printer? Come on. That happens what? whether we talk sports or routers. Yeah, true. Is Gagne not an option for 4C? I don't think he is. I don't think he's a center. Uh, I think he proved that. No, I think he played well enough with Detroit. Who did he play with last year? Was it Detroit? Was uh, it? I don't know. I'm saying mm-hmm. Detroit, but it's probably wrong. This is interesting. Do I have time? Yeah, real quick. This might sound strange, but I'd start the season with Broberg penciled in as my number five D-man. Kulak starting as the seven. Kulak and Bouchard starting last year was the most obvious player that had the rough going. Interesting. I don't think that'll happen, but I like the the outside-the-box thinking. I like the fact that you're thinking about, you know, how to get Broberg into the lineup because I think that's what Ken Holland is thinking about. All right, I want to thank our guest Vinny Iyer from Sports Illustrated and Sporting News and also Jason Greger, who's live on the radio next. This was a really good day. I enjoyed it very much. And this is Sports 1440, Lowdown with Low Tide, and we have a sports update. And one last time for me today, your Sports 1440 update. The last time we will be giving a FIBA World Cup update. If you missed it, it was Canada taking home the bronze with a 127 to 118 overtime victory over the USA. Dylan Brooks, 39 points, SGA 31 and 12 assists. The NBA is looking into a rule change that would stop NBA teams from resting two-star players in a game. A star player being described as a player who made either the All-Star game or the All-NBA team once in the past Three seasons Canadian forward Adrian Leon joins Aston Villa on a two-year contract and Quinn Hughes named the Canucks captain earlier today the 15th in franchise history and the first defenseman since 1990-91. Wrapping up with some AJHL action over the weekend in case you missed it. 15 games closed out the preseason. Spruce Grove with a 5-3 win over Shoreward Park on Friday and Drayton Valley with a 6-5 win over Grand Prairie on Saturday. I'm Declan Kruger and you're up to date.